Welcome to the Radio Plasma Podcast, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashi Vega, and I want to welcome two powerful activists that are here to talk about the situation happening in Puerto Rico. Consider it an extended version of our previous session we had with Michelle Falcón about Promesa, the documentary that is being screened at the Holy Public Library, and we just had the screening at Holy Community College. So it was mentioned during that conversation with Michelle that there was going to be two activists present to have a Q&A session, and guess what? They are here. So we're going to have our own Q&A session. I want to welcome Samantha and Joanny Beth. Hi. Hello. Gracias por estar aquí. Gracias. So let's start with knowing what is your involvement. I know that you are part of the documentary. You are in it and you have been involved with all this activism and the different ways to let people know what's going on in Puerto Rico. So... Tell us a little bit about you and what is the the mission that you have been doing for the past months. Well, este, nosotras somos parte de Campamento Contra Junta. Um, that was one of the groups that was um, at the forefront in, act, in terms of activism when La Junta Contra Fiscal uh, and Promesa started. It was formed by five women, and uh, we stayed in front of El Tribunal Federal in Puerto Rico for nine months, uh, educating, uh, being a focus point of activism against uh, PROMESA and the Fiscal Control Board, and uh, doing protests, artistic events, um, education forums, Uh, giving out pamphlets, and also we had a little kitchen there, so we fed members of the community. For that long of a time, it sounds sounds like having to give up on many things and many of the commodities of the daily life to let the system know that you are not okay with the things the way they are going. Pues, sí. Eh, muchos de nosotros dejamos nuestras casas, eh, dejamos nuestras comodidades para irnos ahí al frente. Eh, éramos estudiantes, no estudiantes, trabajadores, ya mayores también, personas mayores nos acompañaban y lo que hacíamos era dividirnos el tiempo. Eh, por las mañanas los que no tenían clases nos quedábamos ahí para cuidar el perímetro porque habían casetas y habíamos personas que vivíamos allí. Cuidando, cuidando el área de, re, de resistencia. Eh, so, persona, personas que no estudiaban, como dije, pues se quedaban por la mañana en lo que las otras personas llegaban a relevar para entonces nosotros irnos a estudiar o irnos a trabajar. Eh, pero siempre hubo esa conexión desde el principio, esa, ese arreglo entre cada uno, porque cada uno de nosotros sabía por lo que estábamos ahí. Se formó el campamento el mismo día que se firmó la ley promesa y se aprobó. Y desde ese día entonces nos empezamos a quedar ahí hasta que pasaron nueve meses, pasamos lluvia, ventoleras, eh, insultos, 
de todo, campañas electorales, gases tóxicos, gases tóxicos policía infiltrado, mucha, mucha de represión, pero ahí estuvimos. Algunos de los miembros este, perdieron sus trabajos después de que fueron identificados en manifestaciones. Sí. O perdieron, o sea, fueron let out of their jobs. Eh, yo fui una de esas personas que, pues, perdí mi trabajo, eh, no necesariamente por estar allí, eh, pero, pues, sí, mucha gente perdió sus trabajos, perdió este semestres de clase en la universidad. Eh, fue un sacrificio. Y sí. aunque no estamos ya en el campamento, el campamento sigue. Sí, en pie. Y nos unimos a distintos movimientos, nos participamos este, tanto en carácter campamento como carácter individual de muchas manifestaciones y protestas y marchas. Yeah, it's not only giving up the commodities of the daily life, it's actually sacrificing your job and uh, stability of, of your life. Yeah. entirely and this is a consequence of just exercising your right to protest yeah. Yeah. and this is one of the, the things that many people here in the United States do not know are happening mm -hmm. that when Puerto Rican people raise their voice in protest of the decisions that the system is doing and trying to exercise the democratic right the only answer that is given is repression, repression, persecution, persecution, and punishment. Yeah. We have friends, uh, other members of Campamento who have been, uh, nosotros decimos fichado por la policía, y cualquier manifestación, cualquier cosa, son los primeros que arrestan. Este Pasó eh, hace un, un día atrás, primero de mayo, Um, we made a march, a big march, era un paro nacional, y fue tanta y tanta la represión que hubo, había desde policías municipales, estatales, SWAT team, militares, um, militares y el... Black Watch. Oh, exacto. Eh, nos tiraron pepper, eh, gas. Um, gas grenades, uh, macanazo a, a manifestantes, a periodistas, le negaron servicios de médico a, a observadores que estaban desde el colegio de abogados. Eh, ¿Qué más? Persiguieron y, a estudiantes de la Universidad de Puerto Rico and other manifestors se metieron through en las Río Piedras. Yeah, I saw that. I and saw they, those videos yeah, of police. They went into the houses. They arrested people without any orders mm -hmm. no warrants just no. Getting, getting inside the properties yeah. there, and attacking was, them there was a girl who was a minor they got into her apartment they injured her in the neck they dragged her out of her apartment you can see they were dragging her by her hair mm -hmm. while they arrested her dad and her brother um, and they arrested her and they were putting charges against her They had to take her to the hospital to put su like sutures on her neck. <laughs> Some people didn't appear until the day after or hours after, and that's a common tactic. Eh, no solamente en la marcha de hoy, de, de luna de mayo, sino en otras manifestaciones, desde que la Junta se implementa. Esto ya estaba pasando. 
¿sabes? Este, la represión policía que hay por parte del Estado, porque es no it's it's systematic. Mm -hmm. You have the press that is used as a propaganda machine against all protesters, and it comes to the point where there was a photograph of two kids uh, on the May 1st who were marching because, I don't know if people know this, they're closing down almost 300 schools after the hurricane, supposedly because there's no funding. Para ellas y para ahorrarse dinero. Y turn them into charter schools. So los niños estaban manifestándose con sus padres. Y because there was tear gas, because they gassed the manifestors, even though the kids were nowhere near the area, gas spreads. So the kids got affected by the tear gas. And, uh, you know, they put, they put photographs on the media to alert, like, of the abuse and of how the police are completely unconscious of the fact that these are people, these are human beings. They were manifesting for not only their rights, but also the rights of the policemen mm -hmm. as well. Y hubo, y el, eh, eh, es tan sistemático la represión que inclusive la gente, there was a comment that just took me aback. Hay que preguntar qué estaban haciendo esos dos niños antes de que le tiraran gas. That's, of course, the consequence of a system in Puerto Rico that is so corrupt. The whole government itself is the reason why Puerto Rico is in the situation that it is. And that can be tied down as well with the colonial status mm -hmm. that the island has been, has been living for over a century. So it's a domino effect yeah. where everybody's guilty and no one is guilty at the same time. But the ones that are suffering the most are the people. The poor people. Mm -hmm. The poor people. Like, they impose, like, the fiscal uh, control board, because they call it the fiscal supervision board, and that's bull. The fiscal control board is made up of seven people who are not elected. They're the, uno the official unelected governors of the island. Do or tres three of the members are directly linked to the actual economic crisis one of them has he, uh, it was discovered that Anamato Santos also has links and interests into uh, energy policies mm -hmm. that was like two few weeks ago the, the that news blew up um, Jose Carrion, Carrion uh, Jose Carrion, Carlos Garcia, y Coleral, I'm trying to remember the names. Well, three of the members are directly linked because they were A, linked to Santander Bank, which is one of the, the banks that is very much connected to the crisis. And also they were the creators of law number seven, La Ley Siete, which caused like a massive... Uh, unemployment crisis because of, mm -hmm. they the cut massive. down. They cut down a lot of um, <clears throat> a lot of jobs and it kind of triggered a new wave of people leaving the island. Sí. Yeah. I will say from 2010 until today, most of the people leaving Puerto Rico was because of La Ley Siete. Mm -hmm. 
because people with credentials, with education, with uh, skills and knowledge to to develop so much powerful professional tasks in the island, mm -hmm. unable to find a job, or the ones who were still lucky enough to have one being paid below any possible livable wage. Mm -hmm. So what else is to do but to leave? Yeah, uh, resisting, intentar sobrevivir, porque ahora mismo es mi persona, soy estudiante, eh, trabajo, trabajo la mayoría del tiempo y gano 7.25 la hora. Cuando tengo que pagar una renta de cuatro, casi 500 dólares, tengo que hacer compras, las cosas están sumamente caras, la gasolina está por las nubes, eh, tengo que pagar la universidad obviamente. O sea, yo gano 200 dólares, 230 semanales, no da para nada, no da. Y ese estrés en el que las personas, el impulso que tomaron de, ok, ya no puedo más, me voy. Y se, se va, es válido, es válido porque una vez pasó María, todo quedó destruido. Todo quedó destruido, mucha gente perdió sus vidas, mucha gente perdió su empleo. Se perdieron por completo porque fueron destruidos. Y eso pues nadie lo puede impedir porque fue un desastre natural. Eh, pero es todavía hay gente, y, y me incluyo porque es una depresión masiva. Una depresión masiva con toda la represión que estamos recibiendo del sistema, con la represión que estamos recibiendo cuando nos manifestamos y cuando nos manifestamos en nuestra vida privada también. O sea, ¿qué hacemos? ¿Qué hacemos? No nos queremos ir porque ¿qué vamos a hacer con nuestros niños? ¿Qué vamos a hacer con nuestra isla? Estas son nuestras raíces. Y yo creo que, no sé, el, el ver la, la migración de las personas duele. Y más cuando llegan a otros países, llegan acá a los estados o llegan a donde vayan a ir y no los reciben como, tienen, como esperan ser recibidos. No, los, no viven como esperan ir a vivir. Ese sueño americano, it's gone. How is it for you after having this first screening of Promesa by Michelle Falcón? How was for you to get interaction with Puerto Rican people and the diaspora living here in, in Massachusetts in the Pioneer Valley in Holyoke of what they feel, what they know, what they don't know and the questions that they had for you? I think that um, my experience was that it kind of opened up eyes uh, to what was going on. And like the documentary was filmed a year ago. So things we were, if we things changed so fast, especialmente después de Maria. And it was nice that we were there to sort of present like, okay, so This is what was happening then. This is how much the situation has worsened since then. Um, media in the U.S. Uh, <coughs> covers news from the island only when they're related about Maria. And I had a, I saw this on Facebook, and I like repeating it. I've been repeating it uh, this week. When are they going to talk about the larger hurricane? of colonialism? When are they going to talk about 
the economic crisis in which Wall Street has a hand. What are they gonna? When are they gonna talk about that? Because we can talk about the hurricane and bounty paper and you know paper roll toss and all that for forever. But when are we gonna talk about some of the reasons why the island is the way that it is? That is not to excuse the response that we had with the hurricane because, come on, guys. With Hurricane Harvey, Texas got a lot of aid. With Hurricane Irma, uh, Florida had a lot of aid. With Hurricane Irma, Puerto Rico started aiding the USVI and Barbuda. Completely wiped out. Mm -hmm. But come Hurricane Maria and... Eight months later, 30% of the island has no power. Some no places water. in the island don't have power or water. And you can give food and give, um, you know, aid. And we're very grateful to la diaspora because ustedes fueron los que se activaron. Femma estaba haciendo tres carajos. Pardon my French. <laughs> Fema lo que estaba dando era dulce. Y fueron los poricos de acá. Y también gente de, de otros países que vinieron y se activaron y enviaron compra, comida de verdad y suministros de verdad. Y eso está bien y perfecto y bueno. Porque nos ayudó. But we don't need that band-aid anymore. We need pressure uh, to repeal promesa to get rid of the members of PROESA and to audit the debt because that debt is illegal. That debt is illegitimate and we're not going to pay for it. El pueblo no tiene la culpa. Particularly to find a way to hold the people in the government in Puerto Rico accountable because it is because of la gente dentro del Capitolio y la fortaleza. The people inside there, why Puerto Rico is suffering so much, being submissive with whatever the federal government says. And when they have the chance to stand up and defend Puerto Rico's interest, they just said, whatever you say. Exactly. Have it your way. Ricky Rosselló just put the hedge funds and the vultures before the people. La Junta de Contrafiscal literally said que bajo la ley promesa los bonistas tienen más derechos que los pensionados y vamos son de los dos colores son de los dos partidos que han estado en el poder desde Muñoz Marín hasta ahora los que han creado parte de la crisis en cuanto a Puerto Rico se refiere de, de gobierno de Puerto Rico o sea nadie es santo ahí uh -huh. pero el gobierno federal también tiene su manita ahí like Let's not forget, Obama was the one who signed PROMESA. And I get it that probably it was with the best intentions, but I, I read the law before it was passed, and I knew it was draconian, and I don't have a law degree. When you have a law que viene y dice que tú le vas a bajar el sueldo mínimo a personas menores de 25 años, a 4.25 por hora. Cuando se supone que para esa edad, you, you, you have a degree. 
O sea, es imposible ganar 24, 25 dólares. Imposible. Sí, I think they got it up to six dollars <coughs> o algo así para esta última reforma laboral, pero te quitaron, este, te quitaron bonos de Navidad. Te quitaron días, este, de días de vacaciones y de enfermedades. You have 14 days uh, total a year. Both. So seven days of sick leave, seven days of vacations per year. Uh, they're lowering the minimum wage, and it's not only in el sector público, también en el sector privado. Y lo peor de todo, te quitaron las protecciones por despido injustificado. So if you get laid off, there's no justification, you can't fight for it, and you won't get any benefits. Y la probatoria también. Oh, and they extended the probation period. Aquí me dicen que son dos semanas. Allá eran allá, tres meses. Allá eran tres meses, después seis meses, ahora son nueve meses. Y al final de esos nueve meses te pueden votar. Sin decirte nada. Sin decirte nada. Y nadie te va a proteger. ¿Cómo se supone que los jóvenes en Puerto Rico nos quedemos ahí con esas, con ese panorama? Claro que la gente se está yendo. Y claro que la gente se está levantando. Claro que la gente está enfocada. Claro que vamos a romper los cristales de, todo el sitio, de todos los bancos si tenemos que hacerlo. Ya las paradas de medicina no funcionan. When, when we talk about Puerto Rico, it's a really deep and complex conversation to have. And whatever we think we know about Puerto Rico, think again, because there's so much to learn still today. And in a personal point of view, after being there for over 12 years, living in El Campo, and also in the metro area, and ha having access to all different levels in the community. And still today, I feel like I know nothing. How can people just think or say they know what Puerto Rico is going through by just saying it because of Maria? When there is so much going on, it has been going so much for over a hundred years that people are not taking the time or the interest to learn from, especially when we're talking about communities where the Puerto Rican presence is so big and so important. It's the force that is creating the presence and the representation in regions like this one in Holyoke, in New England, and other cities like Chicago. It is important that we all make sure that we understand and learn from what's going on in Puerto Rico and why things are the way they are, because there is so much to learn from it. And that will be possibly one way to start understanding why the things that are happening in Puerto Rico and why the people that are here, some of them because they made that choice, others because they have no choice, do the things the way they do. That could help a lot to understand and get rid of all those stereotypes and those harmful labels against the Puerto Rican people. Sí. So I really appreciate, uh, Samantha and Janivet, that you are here today to bring light to the community and talk about these issues. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for also having I us. Also, I remember the name. Jose Ramon Gonzalez, who was one of the That's architects the of the Puerto Rico financial crisis. He presided <coughs> over the Government Development Bank from 1986 to 1989, so he contributed to the island debt. 
Carlos Garcia Rodriguez, who was important in drafting Law 7, which eliminated over 30,000 government employments overnight, indirect privatizations, and substantial loss of efficiency in government services to the general public followed. And it also eliminated the 2% cap in, in refinancing fees that banks could charge the government of Puerto Rico to refinance its debt and legalize the refinancing of loans with more loans, which resulted in $3.2 billion of additional debt. In 2010, he was sued for political discrimination by employment employees of the Banco Gubernamental de Fomento, who settled out of court. And then you have Jose Carrion, the third, who is the president of the Fiscal Control Board. He is brother-in-law of Pedro Pierluisi, the former uh, resident commissioner, and who is making a hefty getting a hefty paycheck, being involved with some of the law firms that represent the Junta de Control Fiscal. And he, um, her, his sister benefited enormously from the crisis in Puerto Rico's electoral laws. I mean, uh, she uh, benefited enormously from the crisis in Puerto Rico through her company, uh, Multicultural Capital, which operated as a financial advisor to many, many various films and lobbied for PROMESA. You can see the connection. So, um, Jose Carrion, it's the brother of Richard Carrion, que es presidente de Banco Popular. Cousin. Que, al primo, exacto. Eh, que entonces es un brother-in-law de Pierluisi que la misma junta aprobó el buffet de abogados del hijo de Pierluisi. So there's a family there. Literally. Literal. Yeah. There's a family. Puerto Rico is controlled by 1% of the one, the only percent of the rich people in the, in that island. So, and, and because of <laughs> Section One Hundred Five of uh, Promesa, they cannot be held legally accountable for their actions taken as members of the board. They've spent over thirty-one million dollars in the past uh, year doing absolutely nothing but impose draconian laws and austerity measures to an already austere country. Mm -hmm. One thing that I remember when PROMESA was discussed over here in the United States was that, yeah, that's a very good measure. That is the solution to the problem. And in theory, that might have sound like a good idea, at least a good intention, but we know what good intentions are. Because... It happened that they asked the people who are the cause and the reason of the crisis, mm -hmm. what caused this? Of course, they're not going to say it was me. Exactly. Yeah. Like, we don't know. And, well, we have this for you so you can implement it and, and make it work so Puerto Rico can get better. And look where we are. Yeah, when you hear about it, people are like, this is going to protect us from bankruptcy. Like, not correction. bankruptcy from lawsuits, and they're not going to take away the money, but um, it's not protecting us at all. It's not auditing the debt. It's not looking for who was responsible and making them pay. It's not getting rid of the corruption, because that's how they sold it in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. Que ahí van a coger a todos los corruptos. They're los corruptos friends. Están allí. They're friends. Mm -hmm. 
So we can actually try to learn from also from this law and put it to work the way they're supposed to. If there's people to be held accountable, that has to happen. And that's the reason for many of these manifestations and protests to hold those people accountable. And what happens? Repression. Mm-hmm. Check it out. It happened. May 1st in Puerto Rico. The right to protest, the right to manifest against things going on. And many other countries do that as well. And see what happened. La Fuerza de Choque was the very first resource to use. And we need to be more conscious and more aware of what is happening, why this is going on like this. It's not just because the polarizing saying, oh, these people are looking for trouble. No. 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 We. We want to be respected. We want to be taken into consideration. And we want to say that we're fed up. We've received enough violence. Mm -hmm. So we're going to pay back with violence. Because Martin Luther King said, the mob is the language of the people who have not been heard. The riot is the language of the people who have not been heard. So we are going to riot until you listen to us. And until you show us that people are more important than banks, people are more important than private property, then we will keep protesting and marching and taking any and all actions that are necessary for us to be heard. Thank you so much, Samantha and Janivet, for sharing your thoughts, sharing your concerns, and bringing your voices to the community, because this is a labor of, of love for, for what is right, for what is your land. and and your rights as, as citizens. So the invitation is open for people to stay in touch, to keep learning, and also to help and support the fundraiser that Michelle Falcon is putting with this screenings of Promesa, this documentary, that is bringing this awareness and trying to help people in Puerto Rico to get back on track and establishing their jobs, establishing their own entrepreneur ideas and projects. So it's not all about protesting. It's people who want to get back to work. Mm-hmm. It's not about crying for we need to be given, <clears throat> given and given things because we need them. People just need to have the tools to make their life in their way. Yeah. So, muchas gracias por compartir esta esta información y, y sus y sus palabras en, en esta sesión hoy. Gracias, gracias a ti. Y a la diáspora, thank you so much for your help. It's been um, these days. It's been a great experience here to expand the information and to receive eh, todas las todas las críticas constructivas que hemos recibido y y ver cómo las personas eh, abren sus ojos y vean como que wow yo no sabía que era lo que estaba pasando allá y eh, eh, me, me llena el pecho verdad me llena el pecho gracias gracias a todos verdad este, 
gracias a la diáspora por seguir en este estrechando esos lazos. I also want to thank Michelle Falcón for facilitating that we had this this session today with you and to keep this conversation ongoing you are welcome always to to come back and to keep having this engagement i think this is really important for all of us to to keep learning and to keep talking about these issues it's hard it's uncomfortable but it's needed So I'm glad that we can have these opportunities to do it here in this space and utilize the source also to to keep promoting that that conversation and at the same time to promote that peace culture that should be the norm when unfortunately things are going differently but there's always hope. Yeah. So with this we conclude The, this session at the Radio Plasma podcast, I want to thank once again Samantha, Janivet, and Michelle Falcon for making this possible today. And this session was recorded here at the Gender Youth Development Center in Holyoke, Massachusetts. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashi Vega. Thank you for listening.